Friends, it is no secret that I am in love with my Jewel by Chef Seps, uh, oh, sous vide machine. Obsessed. I love it. I use it pretty much every night. Is, throw a little, uh, throw a little pork tenderloin in yeah, there. Ninety yeah. minutes later, it is cooked to exactly the right temperature. God. Get a nice little sear on it on the grill, on a pan. Boom, wow. you're good to go. How does it work? Well, you stick it in water. It's, it's, it's sous vide is a it's a like a cooking practice where the, some heating element goes into water. It heats the water up to the the temperature that you want the food. So it's not to boiling. It's just to maybe let's say 150 degrees. Uh-huh. Then you put your food in a plastic bag. You stick it in. You clip it to the side. You cook it for however long you have to. It gets up to exactly the right temperature. It doesn't undercook. It doesn't overcook. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it used to just be the kind of thing that only a very fancy chef would do. But now you can be a really fancy chef. Well, that must be why they say Jewel, perfect food every time. That's exactly why they say that. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash Jewel and use the, ho- use the, use the homo code. <laughs> use the code homophilia to get 15 bucks off for a limited time. That is chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E, code homophilia. You know what I hate? What? The news. Oh, it's depressing as fuck. Of course. I hate it. And yet I can't stop listening to it. Need to stay informed. But sure. it stresses me out. So what do you do? Well, maybe check out a weekly news podcast that'll keep you informed, but doesn't take itself too seriously. Mm. How about that? Subscribe to Fake the Nation, an earwolf podcast hosted by comedian Nagin Farsad. Every Thursday, Nagin invites her favorite comedians, writers, policy buffs. Uh, they dish on the news of the week. Uh-huh. You'll hear from uh, from people like Baratunde Thurston, who is a genius. John Fuel saying, also a genius. Judy Gold, who we're trying to get on the show because she's a genius. Judy. And John Lovett from uh, Pod Save America. Also Ooh. trying to get him on you, the show. You know, watch this space. You just <laughs> never know. The conversations are loose-lipped, insightful, and smart. Uh, so you'll keep up with current events and you'll laugh through the pain. Oh, I need that so badly. Find Fake the Nation on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. New episodes drop every Thursday just in time for your commute home. Go. Dun, 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 do, do, do. That, of course, is the My So-Called Life theme song. Uh, oh, you really took me not, back. Not an actual soundbite, but made those sounds with my mouth. Wow, that was pretty incredible. That was a real Bobby McFerrin moment yeah, that we just I, had here. Very accurate. Yeah. God, I love that show so much. You know who I love so much is Wilson Cruz. Yep, he's our guest. So many other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have such uh, an incredible and moving conversation with him. Yeah, uh, tears were shed more than once. Yep, so. by more than one person. Maybe all of us. Buckle up. Buckle up, my friends. How are you? I'm good. I mean, I you know I'm so excited to have him here. I really kind of nerded out and on him just unabashedly. Um, and you know, I mean, Ricky was just such a like formative character for me on TV. I am curious about who those people were for Dave Holmes. Oh, the characters that I looked up to yeah. in my youth. God, were there any? <laughs> I really, I mean, if you look, I remember that in the mid eighties uh-huh. there were, and this, I say this just because these were the gay characters. Mm-hmm. In in the mid-80s, there were a couple of TV movies uh, about gay people, and and that was it. So it was either like Mom, I'm Gay, you know, the, the gay story of this gay guy. Sure. Or it was about AIDS. So there was like uh, – there, there was an early frost with Aiden Quinn. Oh, wow. And just the idea that he w- like could potentially in some universe be a gay man was like insane. Sure. And then he got AIDS and died. Um, not in real life, I, on, in the, uh, on the TV. Mm-hmm. And then there was one called Consenting Adults, oh, yeah. which I forget who the, uh, like who, who the main actor was. Wait, no, I do remember. His name was Barry Tubb, the, <laughs> the actor. And I remember this because he was one of, he was a, like a lesser pilot in Top Gun. Wow. He was like Slicer. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, was he Slicer? No, he was not. 
He might have been Slider. Oh, well. Not to brag. Slimer? I, I played Slider in uh, Top Gun Musical. That's a whole different story. Again, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to need to know everything about that right now. <laughs> it was just a very uh, on-purpose homo. I mean, Top Gun is the gayest film of all time. Oh, no question. And my friends were doing these uh, this series of shows called 30-Minute Musicals, and Top uh-huh. Gun was one of the first ones we did. And I played – I am not a great actor or singer, but they just needed, like, a white guy who was tall to play Slider. I love And it, it was just a lot of – locker room scenes and towels kind of uh-huh. like intentionally putting our like groins in each other's faces and sure. riding on each other's backs to oh. like simulate the plane sequences and stuff. And yeah. Oh, I love very, that. Very, very sexual. Okay. Erotic. Well, I'm going to need to find a videotape of that. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I saw that. I saw that in 1986 in the theater with my oldest brother. And at the end he was like, man, they should have a recruitment table like right by the door. And I was like, yeah, they should. And then I was like, oh, you mean the Navy. Oh, right, not right, right. like not the life of homosexuality that I have now gay. fully signed up for right. after the volleyball scene with Rick Rossovich flexing, of course. all oiled. Um, but yeah, so there was a movie called Consenting Adult, a TV movie called Consenting Adults, and he played like a young gay man coming out to his family and whatever, and also coming out to himself. Mm. And there, there was a scene where like he's somewhere, like he's out shopping or something, and he meets this guy like who's sort of cruising him or whatever, and like, and the guy's like, "Hey, do you need a ride home?" And they get in his van, <gasps> and then they're like, and then they go to like a remote part of the parking lot, and the guy driving the van is like, "Do you want to just go into the back?" Oh. And I and like that made me explode. Of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that was all you got. And of course, nothing happened. It was just like the guy like gestured with his head like back to the back of the van. And then there was a commercial break. And then, you know, after that, he's been he's been deflowered. And he's but okay. He's 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 okay. He's he's working it out. He's sure. figuring it out. His parents having a little bit of a rougher time. Mm. Uh, there was later a, uh, a an early 90s TV movie called Doing Time on Maple Drive. Where oh, a young yes. William McNamara uh-huh. plays a beautiful young gay person. All that I had, the only out gay characters that I had as a teenager were deeply troubled and their whole story revolved only around coming out or getting AIDS. Sure. So it was not it, – it was not great. Yeah. I think that is why so many, uh, so many gay men see themselves in actresses. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I think that's why I think like Carol Burnett is sort of my – you know, your gay icon. or like Jan Hooks uh-huh. or somebody who's just like who has that has a queer sensibility, yeah. In a way. yeah, and permission to like to display a full range of emotion, right? You know what I mean, and to be wildly funny but also really subtle and all that kind of thing. So yeah, I didn't have a Ricky, <sighs> and then I was so broken and devastated and fucked up by years of having only gay characters who only talk about being gay or getting AIDS. Yep. That by the time Ricky came along and I was like twenty four or something like that, I was living on my own. I was like, well, this this kid didn't have my exact experience, so this is all wrong. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? I was yeah. judging it so harshly yeah. that it just kind of wasn't even fair. Now I look back. Now I'm a little more a little more self-actualized. I look back. It's a of course a, a beautiful and rich character yeah. and such a such a good portrayal. Ugh. <laughs> I, I can't believe we get to meet him. I know. What a thrill. I know. Speaking of thrills, mm-hmm. uh, how was your weekend in Palm Springs? Well, it was a it was a week. It was a week. I did a midweek in Palm Springs. Oh, that's the perfect time to go. It was absolutely the perfect time to go. Um, and it, it was great because very few people were there. Like we tried to go. It was me and, and Ben and, our, and John Butler, who yes. is a, a friend of the show. Oh. Uh, he has just wrapped his his uh, latest movie. And so as a celebration, we all went out and, uh, and rocked out in Palm Springs. And we tried to make things happen in like, you know, the two block gay stretch uh-huh. that exists. And there was just nothing to be done. Like on a Tuesday like- to a Thursday night, guess what? Nobody's really there. So you got to work hard to, uh, to to make things happen. Uh, Tuesday night, the night we got there, it was karaoke night at two different places. And we saw two different men in their 60s sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Aww. So like that, just knowing, like watching it and, um, and, and just sensing what those men who are a generation or two older mm-hmm. than I am have been through and how much less they had when they were kids and what kind of weirdness and bullying and, and like alienation yeah. that they faced for them to grow up to be the kind of adult who lives in Palm Springs and can wear loafers with shorts yes. and sit on a piano and sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It was like, wow, what a what a journey. Truly living the dream. Truly the, living. They definitely did not have a Ricky Vasquez. No, they sure did not. They sure did not. So you're you're popping into like two cans and two. Uh, Didn't the- make it down to two cans. That was a little too far. We right. we hunters, hunters, of course. The uh, Abbey of, of yeah. Palm Springs. Uh-huh. Uh, street bar. 
Oh, I don't even know that one. Uh, it's next door to Hunters. Um, it's uh, it's friendly. And are people coming up and f- fanning out over Dave Holmes in no. these places? No, 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 no. They're intimidated. No, no, they don't care. Uh, there's a place called Quads with a Z. Quads. I don't know this one either. It used to be the Spur Line. Uh-huh. Where they uh-huh. – it was like a video bar where it would almost exclusively be uh, performances from the Tonys. Ah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yes. But now it's like – now it's the regular shit. You go in there and it's like, you know, Christine F or wh- whoever. You know what I mean? Like it's all the shit that you would uh-huh. hear in a gay bar in 1994. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean it was great. And then we stayed at a hotel that had um, – that their their big feature was uh, at like happy hour time. They would re- wheel around a, a, a martini cart. Oh, yeah. I saw that. And then just stories. like pull right up to your front door. And make you uh, make you a little custom martini. Ooh, drank gin for the first time in my life. Guess what? I like it for the first time in your life. Yes, that's shocking. Yeah, I just never liked gin. Both I, of my uh, parents would have a tumbler of gin at five o'clock every single day. Gin on the rocks with an olive, only one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But like that, just the smell of it, I just never. I was averse. But guess what? I'm over it. Oh wow, you're back. I'm involved with with a dirty gin martini. But right now. Yes. Let's get to Wilson Cruz. Get to Wilson Cruz. Enjoy the show. Oh, Jewel. Jewel, Jewel, Jewel. That's all I talk about. It truly is Ben jealous of Jewel. Uh, Maybe a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Because I don't let him use it at all. Wow. Yep. Are you a dinner party host? Are you looking for a foolproof way to get perfect meats, poultry, fish with uh, Jewel sous vide? By Chef Steps, every home cook can create chef-level dishes thanks to precise temperature controls. That is correct. So they make sure your food will never overcook. It'll never undercook. Then you're free to focus on your guests. Whip up some amazing sides. That's right. And there's this app. There's the Jewel app. It's got a whole bunch of recipes on it. It, it, it guides you through every decision that you have to make in the cooking process. Uh, you can really cook anything in it. Uh, uh, poultry, uh, pork, beef, eggs, desserts, veggies, Whatever. And if your guests are running late, your apps or cocktails are taking longer than you expected, not a problem. Jewel's ready when you are. Your food will not overcook. That's why they say Jewel, perfect food every time. Uh Uh-huh. And guess what? You can get one. Yeah. Get yours at chefsteps.com slash Jewel. Use the code homophilia. You get 15 bucks off for a limited time. That is chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. Code homophilia. Marvel is unveiling their first scripted podcast ever, and it's available exclusively on Stitcher Premium. In Wolverine, The Long Night, you'll be immersed in a murder investigation that explores a string of mysterious deaths in Burns, Alaska. The series stars Richard Armitage as Wolverine. You might know him as Thorin Oakenshield from the Hobbit trilogy. Plus, a special appearance from comedian and podcast host Chris Gethard. To listen him. now, go to WolverinePodcast.com. Use the code MARVEL for a free month of Stitcher Premium. Well, we're back. Oh, my God. We're back with Legend. Yep. Spaceman. Yep. Troubled Teen. <laughs> All of that. Icon. Person that I uh, emailed the booker, I'd say once a week since we started doing this show, yeah. and said, can we get him? Uh-huh. And finally, he's here. Guess what? It's Wilson Cruz. Wilson Cruz. Hi. Thank you for being here. Did you really call all that time? I would have done it right away. Yeah. What took so long? I don't know. We're still pretty new. Brittany, what took so long? Come on now. (laughs) Um, Well, welcome. Thank you for Um, doing this. No, thank you for having me. Are you kidding? Um, So what is on your mind pop culture-wise these days? What are you obsessed with? So, you know, I was working on those two shows most of last year. Most of like from, what was I, from... uh, May through through November, uh-huh. I was working on those two shows, which are uh, Star Trek Discovery and Thirteen Reasons Why. Uh-huh. And so I didn't watch anything. I wasn't watching anything. So I'm literally playing catch up. Oh, you were busy creating the stuff the rest of us were. Right. I did with. binge. Yeah. I uh, believe it or not, I had never watched an episode of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. until last summer. Yeah, and I binged the entire series. Wow, that's a lot. It's aggressive. Yes, while shooting Star Trek. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was a good thing to watch while I did it. I don't know why, but I, it was, yeah, well, it's very it was a good idea. Yeah, it's um, very big. It was big. It's very epic. Yeah, I enjoyed every freaking moment of it. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there's only one season left. Okay, right. so there's that. Uh huh. Um, I finally watched The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, okay. Which I resisted. <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mainly because I felt like we were living through The Handmaid's Tale. That's exactly what And I, I was like, oh, 
you know, this and Rachel Maddow. I don't know. I can't do them both. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I um, speaking of, I'm obsessed with Rachel Maddow. Oh, sure. And uh, <laughs> but um, so The Handmaid's Tale. Um, which I think is is brilliant, and and I'm glad that I watched it, and I'm, I shouldn't have resisted because I thought yeah. it was actually what I needed to watch. Yeah, it's actually inspiring. To yeah, think I was like, empowered by it. Yeah. I felt. Um, what else am I watching that I'm catching up on? Yeah, what's your, oh, what's your list? Like, what do, what I, do you have that I you got just hack finished? Through? Godless. Huh. On, Net- yeah, on, on Netflix. Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like um, uh, a Western town. Yes, that yeah. all the men have died, had passed because they were in in the mine and they were all killed, and so all the women are now running the the uh, the town. And Merritt Weaver is Merritt Weaver, like She's just mm-hmm. delicious and yummy. And I'm obsessed with her. And I'm obsessed with her. And every I was obsessed with her on Nurse Jackie and and her Emmy speech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that. I feel like I'm. I'm like, are you a Drag Race stuff. person? I mean, where are you with that? I I love Drag Race. Yeah. I am not. I am not watching it this season. <gasps> um, only because I feel like I'm behind. I'm gonna have to. I think I'm just gonna. I'm gonna like do one big one where I catch everything. I yeah. Just, yeah. A full weekend binge. There's a lot. You feel like really like overwhelmed by how much is out there. That's exactly um, right. You yeah. Know, it's I'm like, a, sure. I, you know, my thing is I'm a, I'm obsessed with, you know, the shows that feature. I mean, aside from the ones that I just talked about, like I'm obsessed with Samira Wiley on on Handmaid's Tale. I mean, she's everything. Um, uh, But like, I'm still obsessed with Guillermo Diaz on on Scandal, which is in their last season. And I'm loving Mm -hmm. this this last season. I think Kerry Washington is unbelievable. And and I think she's about to break. (laughs) Yeah. uh, oh, literally break. Yeah, like, no, I mean, oh. I think she's like her character is going to be like. I think she's. I thought you meant like she's going to break out. Like, yeah, she she's going to have a good year. Be a star. I think she could go places. Yeah. Um. So I'm. I'm still watching that. I am. Did you uh, Did you ever see Stonewall with Guillermo Diaz? Um, I met Guillermo Diaz while he was doing right or right after he did Stonewall. Really? Yeah, because we ran in very similar circles. We're very we're good friends uh-huh. now, but then we had just met and um I loved that movie so much. And I actually uh, um little piece of trivia, uh Michael McElroy, who played Collins to my angel on Broadway in Rent, uh plays the bartender <laughs> in Stonewall. So yeah. I had watched the movie because uh, you know he was telling me about it. Anyway, and um and then I ended up meeting Guillermo, who I I just I just think he's delicious, and I loved him in Weeds and and in anything that he does. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, there's that, and and my my real obsession I think right now is once um, one day at a time. Okay. Um, oh yeah. Right. Yeah, because it's you know Isabella Gomez is giving uh, you know one of the best y- young actress performances in mm-hmm. a comedy right now. I just think that she's. She's fantastic, and I think that role is important. Um, and I, you know, I I will say I don't think that we've seen a uh, a Latino, a Latinx, a teen like that since you know a show called My So Called Life, uh-huh. um, which really deal, which and they're really dealing with you know generation a generational um, conversation about sexuality and in in the Latino culture and um, I think Justina Machado is one of our greatest actresses and Rita Moreno it is an icon she is the reason literally one of the reasons if not the reason why I wanted to be in the arts you know I wanted absolutely you know growing up uh, as a Puerto Rican teenager um you know, we all knew who Rita Moreno was. We knew what she was doing. We knew what she was wearing. My mom has stories about seeing her in West Side Story. Like mm-hmm. she is the definition of of icon, and um, and she's hilarious in the show. And um, and she's like eighty, eighty three. She's eighty three or eighty four. Wow. You know, we should all be so lucky. Oh my mm-hmm. god! And you know, after a year in which. You know that small island of Puerto Rico has been so devastated and um, and ignored by our government. Um, you know to have her and Justina um, really doing their thing and representing us uh, sends a, a real message of comfort and hope. I hope you yeah. know at a really um, troubling and worry some time for that yeah. island. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm obsessed with that show. And I think what they're doing is, 
hilarious and important. And I love that they're taking risks in their storytelling. And so I haven't finished it. Don't, don't ruin it for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, those, you know, I'm obsessed with that. I'm, uh, you know, I'm catching all of the, the Oscar movies right now. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I like to watch them all before the actual yeah. Oscars. Um, so call what's, me by your name. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hello. Mm-hmm. I mean, come um, Shape of Water, um, which I actually hope wins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I still haven't seen it. It's it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's just overall, it just seems too clammy an experience for me. You, you, I have to tell you, you're gonna be you're gonna be pleasantly surprised. Really? Yeah. It's yeah. such a beautiful story, and the performances are unbelievable. And you know, I'm a little biased because my friends are Doug Jones and Octavia Spencer. So, oh well. But I know. Let me pick up those names. Really. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, they're so far down there. Um, but. Um, but I just think it's a beautiful film. I think yeah. Guillermo del Toro is a genius. Um, and Doug Jones, nobody nobody can bring a prosthetic to life like Doug Jones. I mean, right. he does it in this, and he does it on our show. And um, You know, he was Mac magic. Tonight. Yes, that was his, his first really big gig. He was yeah. who? He was Mac, Mac Tonight. tonight. He, Mac, was it Mac? Well, it was... There, it was like a series of commercials, and it was yeah. like a guy with a. But it was Mac the Knife, right? Well, the song was Mac, Mac the tonight. Knife, but it was Mac Tonight. Right, Come right, on, right. let's go to Mac Tonight. Right, 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 right. Or something. Still giving he was me a, a big blank face. Really? It's like a piano. Remember, there was like, how old are you? Uh, 30 something late. He <laughs> might, he might. Have I'm not it. too young, Maybe. that's for sure. Maybe. But it was like, it was like, it was you like know, like a crescent moon, like a costume of a crescent moon. He was with like a terrifying piano. Yeah. Okay, this is bringing us on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know this is evoking. Yeah. And it was a, a series movie. of commercials yeah. and trying to get you to go to McDonald's at, late at night. At night. Yeah, mm. to use the drive through at night. Yeah, get those chicken nuggets at 11 <laughs> exactly. o'clock at night and then go to bed. By the way, does a Wilson Cruz ever go to a McDonald's late at night? Um, I would. I would not go to a McDonald's. I would go to a Jack in the Box late at night. Really? I mean. If I were to go, that's where I would go. Okay. So the answer is no. When I did go, yeah. that's where I went, I should say. Okay. There's one on Fairfax, like if I was out too late, uh-huh. you know, I um, get it. When, when I drank, uh-huh. um, that's where I would go. I would go to a Jack in the Bomb. What's, uh, what's on the list? What's on your order? What can I, what well, can I, I get? I what can I get? definitely have to get a, a curly fry. Like sure. the curly fries yeah, yeah, are yeah. a must. Mm-hmm. And then I forget what it's called because it's been so long, but it's like, the, it's like a melt. It's like a, it has a bacon... Cheese mm-hmm, mm-hmm. melt situation. Great. I'm going there. Like it doesn't this. have a bun. Mm-hmm. It has like you know bread slices or something. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a patty melt kind of a deal. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. A patty but, melt, but mass produced and frozen. And mm-hmm. Not yeah. at all good for you. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why we. Don't. You know what else is good at Jack and Box is those tacos, which is not. I don't think they're actually meat. I think it's like a soy product or something. Oh, right. It's, yeah. yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah, Jack in the Box try, like, has their hands in a lot of different uh, cuisines. Yeah, yeah they like, do, if right? it tastes we good, do. we're going to put it on the menu. Right. Yeah, they, they do a, a taco with like a slice of American cheese that like <laughs> right. peeks yeah. out the top. Yeah. And now I feel like triangle. I should get a check from Jack in the Box. Absolutely. You might. You might. <laughs> you never know who's going to be listening. Jack in the Box. You never know who's going to be listening. I've actually never eaten at a Jack in the Box. I will eat oh, some really? garbage too, but I'm just really? there's something about Jack in the Box that really keeps me away. I think I they're the, the I think Jack in the Box and KFC are the are the, oh, are the things great. you know like the fast food mm-hmm. that I would and I'm, and you know I ain't mad at a, an El Pollo Loco. Sure, sure come sure, on. Sure. I miss a Kukuru. <gasps> what oh, happened yeah. to Kukuru? Do I ever miss it? I don't know, but it's just like I woke up one day and they were all gone. They that turned was, into they the turned counter. Chipotle's. No, they turned into Chipotle's. Yeah, well, the, some are the counter. The ones okay. out in the valley have become right. the counter. Yeah, it's very weird. That was such an iconic West Hollywood, yeah. like, you know, I met, it's fast food, but you're getting your, your chicken breast, you know, there you can lie after, after 24-hour fitness. Yeah. My favorite um, kukuru moment is, I'm, you know, there were, you, when it first opened, there would be like lines, yeah, kind of sure. like the Shake Shack. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting in the line. Not, not, it wasn't too long. And tap, 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 and it was Alec Mappa. Mm-hmm. And like oh, wow. he had just watched an episode of Alan Abiel that I played a um, – uh, transgender prostitute, and then he had just <laughs> done an NYPD Blue where he played the same thing. Yeah. So we were like shooting the shit about that <laughs> on the line for Kukuru. <laughs> and that but, was the first um, time you ever met. That's we met in the line at Kukuru, and we—he's literally part of my family now. That is—I mean—that is the gayest story I've ever heard. In my yeah, <laughs> and it was the one in West Hollywood. That's do you fe- do you have a, like a strong community of all like out actors? Oh my god, yeah. I mean, I, I think the only way that that we get through this, yeah. this industry and the way that it can be shattering yeah. um, 
and hard. It can be really hard, especially at the time. I'm, we're talking about the like the late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, but like you know, we have to hold on to each other. I just saw uh, Parv China. Do you know Parv yeah, China? Yeah. Yesterday um, at an audition, and we're going in for the same thing. And I, you know, we have a love affair, and it's the same thing. I see them all at the same thing. It's Daryl Stevens. It's mm-hmm. Jay Rodriguez. It's me. It's uh, Alec. Parv. It's Alec. I mean, I can go on. Yeah. And. Uh, and those are my friends. Like those are my family. And, and I think we've all, what the lovely thing about it is that we've all been doing it for so long um, and have had our own successes and failures as, as well. But um, I don't, you know, I, when I see that Alec has gotten something that we've both gotten for, I cheer him on. I celebrate right. him. Same for, for Daryl Stevens, same for Jay. You know, those are, I, I the, that wasn't my part. That was their part. Yeah. And it was what they bring to it and the magic that they are able to perform that is the reason that they got that part. And then when I get mine, they cheer me on. And yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, a, um, it's, a fr- it's a fraternity of, of people who love what they do and are good at what they do and just want a chance to do it. It's a pretty great fraternity. Yeah. Yeah. Part of that. And hilarious. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, we spend holidays, you know, I was at Alex, uh, Alex, Alex's house uh, with Daryl for for Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes we've done Thanksgiving together. And I mean, they're they're my friends. Yeah, Daryl is one of the finest men that uh, we have. I don't mean fine. I mean fine. Also, fine. he is also fine, fine. But I just mean he is he is truly one of the best human beings. And and he's and he's writing, and he's you know making his own art. And I I have big visions for him. Yeah. I think he's going to do really huge things. Yeah. Um, and he's a great writer. He wrote a great book. Yeah. Um, and so a couple of them. Yeah. Right. Um, but I'm their fan. You know, I'm, I'm his biggest fan. I'm Alex's biggest fan. I saw, I've seen Alex, all of Alex, um, one man shows. Yeah. And if you haven't seen his one man shows, you're really missing out. I know there's the one that he did for Showtime, which is called uh, daddy issues, but mm-hmm. you know, he's been doing them for years and he's, a master at them. Yeah. There are very few people who can hold your attention for <laughs> 90 minutes and uh-huh. be that good at it. Yeah. He's a machine. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, that's kind of been a theme for me this, this last year since the orange thing has been in the white house. I feel like, you know, we have to celebrate each other yeah. through these times. Like this is a really difficult time and it's really easy to get, um, uh, complacent and it's really easy to get bogged down by the literally the day-to-day news that comes at us yeah. um, that we forget that there are great things happening and we need to highlight them and we need to celebrate each other and um, and and that's how we get through this yeah did you I mean activism was a, a big part of your life and your career I mean long before this administration. Yeah. How did that, how did you come to that? We live in revolutionary times. Yeah. This is a revolution. Um, you know, the LGBTQ, the queer community is, um, is in a moment of revolution and we have been in this moment for decades. And so I am, I am a soldier in the revolution. And so sometimes that meant and means that I have to take, some time to do that and to do my part of the work. There are so many people um, at these organizations and within the movement that are working really hard, yeah. who are fighting the good fight um, in specific areas of the movement. And I felt like there was something that I could that I could give and that I could do, and that I that my voice uh, would be useful in in helping. And so I took. Uh, two years off to work at the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force from 2000 to 2000, no, 2001 to 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked specifically on uh, the human rights ordinance in Miami-Dade County to make sure that uh, sexual orientation remained in the human rights ordinance there because wow. there was a group of people who were trying to remove it. Uh, we won that. Uh, then I went back to work and um, uh then I took two years off from 2010 through 2012 to work at GLAAD um, as their national spokesperson and their liaison between the studios and the networks. And when I was there for those two years, um, I really worked on 
ensure or having conversations with all of the networks and all the studios about the fact that uh, the LGBT community is not just a white male community. Mm. It's not a wh- white Turns rich <laughs> male community, <laughs> yeah. and that you know we we come in in different shapes and sizes and colors and genders and um, and that there and that that is a a a a, a rich source for story um, and story that we need to hear and story that, that will be entertaining and interesting and um, could potentially change people's lives. And, and we're starting to see some of the fruit of that work that yeah. Glad did. So, um, and trans work, I'm sorry, we, we had just really started pushing our trans work at the time. And I was really excited about that. And now we're seeing, you know, just how, um, how much Glad was really at the forefront of that conversation within the entertainment community. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, I just feel I felt called, right? I think I would have gone to my deathbed regretting that I didn't do what I needed to do when I was living at a point in our history in which everybody really needed to um, do what they could. And was playing Ricky part of that calling? I think playing Ricky was the beginning. It was the, it was, I mean, I was always socially aware. I was always, um, uh, I always felt like I could be a part of the revolution, if you will. Um, But I think Ricky Vasquez, when handed to me, um, came with responsibility. Yeah. And I was not unaware of that. And, um, I think he taught me uh, the power of my voice. He gave me a voice. And uh, there were people like Alan Poole um, and, uh, and Winnie Holzman who really encouraged me to use it. And I was 20 years old. Well, and that was a, a different time just in terms of like um, what it meant to be an out actor. There were so, there were, I mean, you could count on one hand at the time, you know. And yeah, I think it was Harvey Firestein, sure. Ian McKellen, um, Leslie Jordan, yeah. uh, myself. I'm probably missing somebody. Yeah, probably, were there Chad <laughs> Allen? Yeah, Chad, Robert Gantz. Sure. Chad, Allen came out, Chad Allen came out a little later. Yeah. And so did Neil. And Ellen came out uh, two years after I did. Uh-huh. So um, you were so young. I mean, were there, were there, you know, voices saying to you, like, you know, encouraging you not to take the role or not to not to be out or, well, you know, nobody was going to tell me that I couldn't yeah. take the role because right. Anybody would have taken that role. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. It was it was a chance of a lifetime. But I think there were people who, uh, not I think I know there were people who were trying to discourage me not to come out publicly. Right. But I felt that I needed the audience to know that as an openly gay man of color that I approved this message, if you will, <laughs> you know, that, uh, it had my stamp of approval and, um, and that I was taking personal responsibility for the story. And so, you know, I was, I didn't really listen to a lot of that and, you know, um, agents can be changed. Mm-hmm. Managers can be changed. Um, what can't be changed is how you feel about yourself after you regret yeah. Not doing the right thing. Right. And I didn't really see the effects of Ricky right away. I felt, really? no, no, no. I think, uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I knew that people within the LGBT community were um, excited about it. But I'm talking about um, that generation of young people that I was trying to reach um, didn't really, couldn't really Talked with you. They couldn't talk to me about it because they were still kids in the closet dealing with their own shit. Right. You know, you know, dealing with their parents and their school and all of everything that it means to be an LGBT person, Q person in in your teens. Um, So it wasn't for another, I would say, five to 10 years when I ended up at, you know, some bar or club and the first person, you know, who grew up watching my so-called life came up to me and was like, you changed my life. Yeah. Right. Um, which never gets old by the way. Sure. I, I hope I that say. still happens <laughs> every day. I, who I who was that imagine. for you? 
Did you have that? Uh, yeah. Did you see yourself reflected growing up? Um, Rita Moreno. Yeah. Um, uh, Harvey Firestein mm-hmm. was that for me. Um, uh, Ian McKellen was that for me. You know, someone who uh, excelled in their craft and was capable of doing it and being everything that they are. Um, uh, you know, Harvey Firestein and Torch Song Trilogy was a seminal moment for me. Um, watching that film and seeing him proudly take on his mother, <laughs> who, you know, he really had to um, uh, explain what it was that he went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to survive, you know, that speech in which he says, um, I taught myself how to cook. I taught myself to sew. I taught myself all of these things because I assumed that I wouldn't have you after you found out, you know, that I'm paraphrasing obviously, but how many of us growing up learned all of these things to protect ourselves in case we were alone in the world when we told everyone we loved our truth. Um, that was a, that was huge for me. Um, and I've gotten to thank him for that, but, um, but there was nobody who looked like me Mm -hmm. and loved like me who I looked to, um, which is why I needed to be that for someone else. And I know that sounds very grandiose, but you know, when there is a, um, when there is a vacuum, of something that is needed in the world, it's our responsibility to to identify that and fill it. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, you, you were that for me, hands down. I, I mean, I have such clear memories of being in high school and like sitting at my the kitchen counter eating my mom's spaghetti and meatballs and watching Ricky and just knowing it was going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I fine. was, <laughs> I was on the other end of it myself. I was. 24, I guess, when mm. my so-called life came out. And I was out and I was I was living on my own in New York. And I remember watching your performance and just feeling like there was such a soulfulness that was like honest, that really felt like lived experience. You know what I mean? An actor can do just about anything, but but like it, there I, I saw the like truth in that performance. I know? hope so. And it um, was it was so nice to see from someone young. Yeah. I mean I haven't watched it in a long time, but I have to say it, you know, he taught me so much. That character taught me so much. And a lot of it is what you're just talking about, which is my job is to be as completely honest in that moment Mm -hmm. while the camera is on as possible. And, um, you know, I was surrounded by these ridiculous actors, um, you know, Tom Irwin and Bess Armstrong and yeah. Angela I mean, and, and Claire Danes, Angela, um, and, and um, A.G. Langer and Devin Odessa and Gummersall, who had all worked far more than I did before that. And, um, and I just was a sponge. And I, you know, I, I hadn't done a lot of television or film at that point. I'd done theater. I was a theater major in college at mm-hmm. the time. And I had done, you know, one thing here and one thing there. The the balls that it took to even go to that audition um, amazes me right now. So um, the only thing that I knew that I could be was honest. Right. What do I have to do to make that reboot happen? I mean, there are so many that we don't need in these times. And <laughs> yeah. that is one that I believe could save the planet. No pressure. Uh, I mean, I will help you do whatever it is I mean, that needs to be done. On. But, uh, you know, I think, look, let's be honest. Let's be real. There are movie stars involved now. And so. So what? Even that all the more reason that get, it should happen. We have to get their, them and their representatives on board. Yeah. And, and AJ Langer's like a princess now? She is a lady. A lady. Um in, Do you know about this? Yeah. Yes, vaguely. Okay, but yeah. so what? So is, so is Countess Luann. Yeah. You know what okay. I mean? Like, oh, she's, she's, do it. Don't, I, I talked yeah. to, I talked to Rayanne. I mean, to Rayanne. <laughs> I talked to AJ all the time. Um, she's actually, I'm telling all her business, but she's actually here in town. Ooh. Um, hi. Hey girl. Um, but uh, we would, we would all, I mean, the rest of us would do it. Yeah. I just, I, at Christmas day, I spent Christmas Eve with Alec Mappa and I spent Christmas day with Bess Armstrong and wow. we actually talked about it. Um, I just, I'm we levitating right now. I'm so excited. Yeah. Guys, virtual prayer circle. Yeah. <laughs> so called life Great. 2018. Uh, where's Ricky now? Would you imagine? 
sure you've been asked this before, but I mean, I, I want to hear from you. I, people have a lot of opinions of where he would be and all that. But, you know, I've always said, I think that he left the suburbs of Pittsburgh to chase his dream of being a fashion designer. And I think that's where he found his bliss and success. And I think he's probably dressing the likes of Beyonce right now. Uh-huh. For sure. <laughs> sure. It was that season of Project Runway All Stars that really brought him over the top. Right. You know what I mean? Because I mean, he was like right. he was it was like a victim of editing in his first season. But when he came back, right. he really had a chance. I to would shine. say I would say that he. I mean, I I remember watching the year that um, uh, Siriano Christian Siriano uh-huh. was on, and I thought yeah. that's his story. That's right. Actually, not even him. His uh, it was it was, and, and then I thought. Well, I did think it with him, but I thought it with um, Mondo. Remember Mondo, no. who, did, who is HIV positive, uh-huh, and he uh-huh. came out in the show, and he he had to create a textile. I can't believe I remember that. So basically, <laughs> one of the things impressive. you can add to the list is fat. I'm okay. obsessed with Project Runway, but <laughs> yeah. he he created. We get it out of you. He created that um, that design. You know where, where they all had to cr- create a graphic. Uh, a lo- oh yes. a graphic. yeah, yeah, yeah. And his graphic was this plus sign. And when he was explaining his, his graphic, he came out as HIV positive on the show. Yeah. But I always loved his aesthetic, and it was really quirky and um, almost Japanese-inspired in a lot of ways. And I thought, oh, yeah, that I could definitely see Ricky yeah. on, on well, this show. Well, if we can't get the entire band back together, then we can at least do the Ricky journey, Listen, Ricky in the City. Designer, you I mean. would have to ask me once. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not like you're not busy, though. True you're, story. I mean, I, 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 we should take a break, but I do want to ask you about Star Trek and uh, ask me anything. I mean, and you guys were the first gay couple in the Star Trek universe, is that in right? Star Trek TV. Star Trek TV. There was there was a moment in Star Trek Beyond yeah. at the end of Star Trek Beyond when uh, John Cho, who plays Sulu, um, at the end of the movie. Uh, meets his partner right, right. and their child at the airport or somewhere. I can't remember where they were. Right. But yeah. But the, we, we were actually following a love. I'm sorry. My dog is snoring very loudly <laughs> through the entire thing. Um, it was a, like yes, a love, is, a love story that, that, that everyone's following. Yes. And you know, to be fair, they haven't had another movie since that, right. since that movie beyond. So who knows what they're going to do next? Um, but uh, yeah, it's pretty much it's a it's a huge honor. Did you want to take the break and then we'll talk about it? Oh yeah, let's come <laughs> sure. back. <laughs> okay, throwing shade on Earwolf, we know is just the greatest podcast ever. Remind me what that is. Oh, please. it's Aaron Gibson. It's Brian Safi. They mm. talk about things of interest to women, uh, uh, things of interest to the LGBTQ community. They they <laughs> they're hilarious. They they play off each other so beautifully. They make me laugh harder than just about anybody on the planet. They're they're the consistently loves of our lives. Yeah. They're they're kind of the uh, a sister show to us. I would say our our smarter sister. I don't want to uh, say older sure. sister, but I don't want to age them up. But yeah. they are they are getting up there for sure. But if they're like Angela Chase. We're the other one. We're the Danielle. We're the, the Danielle. One. Yeah. yeah. Who like barely makes an appearance. They have a brand new bonus show exclusively on Stitcher Premium. It's called Throwing Shade, A Deeper Shade of Shade. Oh, how about that name, by the way? Just take a moment for A Deeper Shade of Shade. Let it wash over you. <laughs> In each episode, Brian and Aaron put a twist on artistic starter cards from 1975 by asking hard-hitting questions like, would you clone yourself? And can you name a real housewife? Uh, the first bonus episode has, I mean, the only person you would turn to to be your first guest, Paul F. Tompkins. I've heard of him too. God almighty, that he's one of my heroes and that's not a joke. None of this is a joke. No. It's all very serious indeed. They get deep. They talk about being interrupted during a dance. They talk about Popeye's anatomy. They talk inflatable snakes. Guys, listen to Throwing Shade, A Deeper Shade of Shade, exclusively on Stitcher Premium. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium if you go to stitcherpremium.com slash shade and use promo code Homophilia. That is stitcherpremium.com slash shade and code homophilia for a free month of Stitcher Premium. 
You guys, Hari Kondabolu and his brother Ashok have a new podcast here at Earwolf. It's called The Kondabolu Brothers. You can check out the first episode in your podcast app right now. You might know Hari from his stand-up or his other Earwolf show, Politically Reactive. And Ashok is a former member of the rap group Das Racist. I love he's them. In the, he's in the combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. Oh, my God. Their new show is taped at comedy clubs around the country from Brooklyn to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. You can witness two brothers occasionally acknowledge their live audience. You're going to find out why World War One is overrated. Learn why pizza should not be your favorite food. It's fun. You're goddamn right it's fun. Subscribe to Condobolu Brothers right now in Apple Podcasts, in Stitcher, in your podcatcher of choice. And now we're back for real with Wilson Cruz. Uh-huh. Wilson, what is your current relationship status? <laughs> <laughs> Please don't cry. He's actually wiping his eyes right now. Oh, God. Um, I'm dating. Okay. Dating one person specifically or dating around? I am dating. Playing am, the field. Well, I'm trying I'm trying to meet people. Okay. How does one do that when one is Wilson Cruz? <sighs> That's an excellent question. Um, I know you're not on Grindr, OkCupid. Okay like, you're not doing I? any of that stuff. Are you? Aren't I? Not on OkCupid. Okay I mean, not not that you shouldn't be allowed to join in the fun, but it's like, I I can only imagine the the message you're getting. I'm really not trying to hook up. I'm not. And I even say it in my profile. I'm not. It literally has, holds no interest to me in like, hey, I don't know your name. Let's fuck. I don't, that literally doesn't interest me at all. But it is how people meet now. And, um, I'm kind of over it. I'm going to tell you right now because, and how this is how blunt I'm going to be. Please don't say hello to me with your asshole. Wow. No, <laughs> no, that that needs to be said. What Thank is you. going on? Thank how is that, that okay? Well, that. And who who wants that right out the gate? <sighs> even if you are there to fuck, and I even tell you, I even give you like instructions. I'm very specific. Please don't. And you still, I mean, I can't. So I'm, I'm kind of done. And do, do you, do you say in a part of the instructions, you're kind of like, yes, I know I changed your life. Um, if you're no, a fan, no. that's great, but I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> do you lead with a face or do you, or do you go torso and I then, mean, and then with hit him with strength. the face later? The, leave with your strength. Right. No, I mean, I feel like if I, li- if I have my face and then, then I, you know, they're talking. Yeah. There's, it's a no win situation. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't know. So, which is why I'm coming, getting off of it. Yeah. Um, and I don't really meet anybody on it, to be honest with you. It's a nice thing to have. But right? I am on the Tinder. Okay. okay. I've met some nice men on Tinder. And met up and per- gone on like real yeah. dates? Yeah. Um, that have been interesting. Yeah. Have there been second dates? There have been second dates. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about your last second date. Um, well, it was recent. Okay. Do you feel uh, free to talk about it? Yeah, we went. Are we to, jinxing it? By no, we went to dinner. I was supposed to go to a party. I invited him to, but dinner went so well that um, we lost track of the time, mm-hmm. and we actually went back to my place and we watched the first two episodes of Versace. Okay. Oh. Wow, very and those romantic. are long episodes too. So yeah, you were in. Yeah, you had a, a big evening together. Very yeah, affirming of the gay experience. Yes, he's um he's a he's a lovely person. That's very okay. Nice. Um, okay. But you know, I'm dating. Yeah. I'm, so you I'm dating. chose not to have a third date, is what you're saying. Oh, I'm, I didn't say we're not having a third date. Mm. I'm saying it's in medius res. Oh, that's why you're mm. being coy. I thought you were being coy. I thought you were being diplomatic about about not but having a third date. I'm I'm dating. Right. Yeah. You know, like I'm I'm open to dating. Was uh-huh. there a time that you were not so open to dating? Uh, between the months of April, and <laughs> November. So are you, are you just on set like crazy, and you just it was it was on set or in bed? Just to, just so people know what's going on. So I what did I do first? I started with it was Star Trek in Toronto, which we shoot in Toronto, and um, then around the middle of May, the end of May, uh. 13 Reasons Why I started production in Northern California. So for a lot of, um, between May and October, September, between, because I finished in Star Trek in September. So September, um, I was literally like three days in Toronto and then I'd fly to San, Fran- to San Francisco or Northern California and I'd do three days there and then I'd fly wow. back. You know, it was like that. 
It was, it was literally yeah. like that. And I would, and, and 13 reasons we, we were block shooting. So I would shoot all of the scenes for those two episodes in those three days, which was a lot. I played yeah. the lawyer. And so there's, it's, it was all legalese on there. And then it was science fiction, <laughs> medical jargon on the other one. Mm. And so my brain was fried it yeah. was it was fried um but it was the most fun i've had i'm not i'm not complaining it was no. just a lot and so there wasn't a lot of time today i did meet a very lovely young man in toronto who i spent time with mm-hmm. was that a, was that a grinder was that a tinder no was that just meeting on the street wait that's a lie was he a it was guy? grinder okay yes but i dated him oh, that's lovely yeah i believe you he's very sweet the canadians are very nice yes they are aren't i they? agree yes I have one wholesome I'm going to sound like a hoe on the show. No. But, was, um, okay. <laughs> go, go back a few episodes. <laughs> yeah. We should make everyone, there are a couple episodes we should make everyone listen to just to let them know there's nothing they can do to be yeah. the biggest hoe. No. Yeah, this show. Could not be more sex positive here. Yeah. No. Listen, we're but, yeah, and I, and I And I dated a nice guy in, in New York and we're still friends. I just, it's, it's. Um, when was your last uh, like serious relationship? Uh, I feel like I'm in my therapist office. <laughs> um, my last serious relationship mm-hmm. was 2010. And how long did it last? Uh, a couple of years. Ugly? It ended in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ugly ending? No, we're friends. I'm friends with all of my exes. You are? I am. Wow. I have almost murdered. I, there's a one. Of so I, there's <laughs> one that I'm not in contact with. Uh-huh. But if I were to see him, yeah, we would be fine. He would be fine with me. I mean, so you exit gracefully. I try. I yeah. mean, it's hard, and I'm not going to lie. Like you know, it's hard. People, we, I, I, I feel like I show up. I like to be with people who show up, and so if you show up, you, you get attached and. When it when it when it seems like it's not going to work, it it's hard. Feelings are hurt, and there's no way around that. Uh-huh. Define showing up. Um, I think love is a verb. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. How do you love me? How do I love you? Yeah. You know, what am I doing for you to make your life better, and vice versa? Um, am I listening? Really, I think people. When it comes right down to it. You know, yes, we all want to have sex and be hot and all of that, but I think people really want somebody to listen and share their lives. And I want to be with somebody who I want to share their life with and vice versa. So um, I think I think that that's what showing up is for right. me. I do want you, somebody to show up for me. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And do you do you think the marriage I mean, do do, do you want to be married? Do you want kids? Do you want Oh, thank Sorry, you. Fixing my jacket. Yeah. Oh, I have an inverted it's been collar me this entire time. It's been driving me crazy this whole time. Thank you. I thought it was just me. No. Um, thank is, you. Would uh, I? I am not opposed to marriage. I I would be open to getting married. Yes, my brother and his husband are married. My brother's gay. Yeah, gay brother. Yes, I actually married them. Oh wow! wow. Is he younger yes. or older? He's eight years younger. He is my favorite person in the world. Um, and how did that first conversation go? Sorry. I, I got to, well, it was, go it wasn't road. good. It wasn't good. Um, cause he had some drama at school. Mm. Um, he's eight years younger and he actually was outed oh in God. his school. Uh, two years after I came out, I was making a movie called all over me mm-hmm. in New York city. And I remember him calling me to tell me, and I had no clue. How old was he? He was 15. Oh my God. And where, where was your family In from? the Inland Empire, in Rialto. And his, it's his story to tell, but his, his high school principal outed him to my parents. Oh, my God. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I found out all about it after the fact because I was in New York and this was all happening in California. And um, when I got back to L.A., he came and stayed with me for a little while. And, um, but it was hard. But at the same time, you know, it has been the biggest gift to have a brother yeah. um, to share all of that with and to who, who understands everything, you know, and, and I've, I've feel like I've been able to guide him a bit and oh, yeah. be there for him and show up for him. Can you ways. imagine a better role model? No. As, if you, as I, a gay kid? He's, he's everything to me. And, um, and he's going to be the most, 
he's going to be the most amazing dad. And, uh, and uh, I'm really proud of him. Is there a difference in the way uh, your parents took you coming out and the way they took him coming out? I think they were both shocking. Yeah. For different reasons. I think they were shocked with me. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but I think when they when when I came out, I think they were like, okay, well, we have one. Okay. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, I think the second one was really shocking to them and that took them a minute. But you know, now they're they're amazing. They're really amazing now. Um, you know, my mom will tell you, she's like, I have you know, she says two out of three of my sons are gay, almost perfect. <laughs> so great. So, I mean, and my dad is amazing. And, he, you know, it's, it, but it took them a long time and um, not a long time. It, they had to go on their own journey and I needed, and we needed to support them in that. And I think people forget that um, when we come out to people, it's not just about us, right? It, yes, it's, it's our experience and we're sharing our lives with people, but I think, I think we need to be generous in that moment as well to the people we're coming out to and give them a minute to adjust and digest um, and then give them permission to show up for you. But it's not going to necessarily happen right away. Yeah. And, and that's okay too. Um, you know, you have to take into, into consideration where people are coming from. And my dad is, was, a, was a very conservative Latino man born in Puerto Rico. And, you know, culturally, yeah. it was a difficult thing for him to wrap his mind around. And he thought it meant something about him. Mm-hmm. And when, when he finally understood that it had nothing to do with him, he was fine. Wow. I think parents also believe that especially from a certain age and from and from various different cultures think that the the life of the gay man is going to be one of sadness and mm-hmm. and like yeah. and isolation and all because they probably it would have been in the 50s and 60s and whatever yeah and, I think and that's true yeah i mean there there's real concern yeah. that i wasn't able to like right and that's why you hear understand. people all the way say you know oh i just i just don't i don't want your life to be hard and yeah well that's true i don't think anybody wants anybody's life to be hard but you know when we were coming out in the 90s it was it was and still is a political act i think coming out is a political act and while in many ways it, it's a selfish act because you're doing it for yourself and in order for you to live your best life it's also about being visible yeah. and creating a world that that is easier to come out in for other people who come after us and i know that's why i did it i know that's why a lot of people do it um so you know, I, I, I think, yes, I think, I, think if, I think the lives of people in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, the 80s especially, when they came out were really hard, but they made my life easier. Uh-huh. And so my responsibility is to make the life of the people who come after me easier. And I think I can, I can say a, that I did a little of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll continue to do it for as long as I'm here. And then I pass the baton. Because at some point I'm going to need a t- some time on a beach for <laughs> that's right ten years. What was your high school experience like in real? Were you in Rialto? Did you watch my so-called life? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was my uh, high school experience. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, no, I mean, no, it wasn't really. I mean, I, he was much more out than I was. I had a I had a group of friends. Um, you know, we we were at Eisenhower High School in Rialto, California. And a lot of people think, oh, it's California. It's very liberal. This was very conservative. Yeah. Um, it was um, diverse in the sense that, you know, there were, it, most of my high school was black and Latino. Um, but it was still very conservative in its politics, that area. It was working class. Um, but there were uh, six of us in high school in the same class who were all out to each other by the time we came out in our senior class, in our senior year. Um, and they're all, they're, they're all still in my life. They've all gone on to their own successes. And, um, we, and did you have crushes on any, were were there relationships? Uh, I did. I had, I had a crush on one. There were two that dated and then broke up. And that was like, that was like our soap opera relationship. Of course. Um, 
But that was it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, wow. and, you know, they were amazing. I think that's how I got through high school. And, they, and the great thing about, about those people is um, they pushed me to be better in school, right? Like I wanted to be the actor, singer, dancer, and that's what I wanted to do. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. But they really um, pressed me to make sure that I, that my grades were great. And, yeah. You know, it was, it was that, they were those kind of friends. Yeah. And when did you come out to your family? Uh, during, uh, right before we started shooting the series, my so-called life. So we had done the pilot. What people don't know is that we shot the pilot in 19, well, a lot of people don't know is that we shot the pilot in 93 and it wasn't picked up for that fall, but they held on to us for a year uh, and so I came out. So we waited like nine months, and then we found out that we were picked up for the following fall. And so we were going into production in, I, I want to say March or April. I think it was end of March. And um, I decided once we got the pickup that I was like, well, I'm going to have to tell them <laughs> now. Oh, so they didn't even know. Did they know that you were playing a gay character? Yes, they knew that I was playing a gay character. You would think that would have been a great hint. Um <laughs> But they didn't know that I was necessarily gay. Yeah. And so I knew that I was going to come out publicly. And I figured I should probably tell them first mm-hmm. before I did, you know, Donahue, which was a show, was a talk show, kids, <laughs> um, which I actually did. Is that, did you come out you did? on Donahue? No, I didn't come out. But I was on Donahue. Yeah. yeah I kind of did come out on Donahue in the sense that it was a big national thing that I did right after I came out. Wow. But um so anyway, I did. I came out. I, so I was like, oh, I'll tell them before we start shooting. And I f- told my mom uh, while she was driving because she asked me. That wasn't smart. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of swerving <laughs> involved. I had to get her to pull over. And we had a very dramatic car scene, which I love in movies. Sure. Um, not so much in life. <laughs> and then I came out to my dad a few months, a couple months later um, on Christmas Eve. Sure. Um while he was drunk, because he asked me, wow. and he kicked me out, and I lived in my car, and in on, on, and I couch surfed a lot, and until the end of March. So from the end of December through the end of March, I just kind of held on until we started shooting. Wow! Holy shit! With the, but this is so that, that's the, you're you're 20 years old at this point. And I was. It was 1994, so I had just turned 21. Wow. Is that true? Yes, because yeah. So that, that Christmas pilot Eve check was gone. Yeah. Right? Oh, so you yeah. Just and by the way, the we could put that check in quotes. Yeah. Um, I was I was the least paid person on that show. I think besides the girl who played uh, Lisa Wilhoy, who uh-huh. played the younger yeah. sister. Um, but I was going to say something, and now I forgot what it was. You, why you were living in your car for three months uh, in between, you know, no, shooting a pilot and becoming a TV star. But oh yeah. You're- oh, you're right. So I came out on Christmas Eve and my birthday is December 27th. So I turned 21 on three days later. Wow. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. In Happy the Alto, birthday. California. Yeah. But I drove here to LA and I actually, you know, I had friends who lived here in LA and they let me stay on their couch. And then I parked in West Hollywood. I parked in front of uh, Lucille Ball's old home. Oh, <laughs> right. Um, in Beverly Hills. And, uh, you know, you may do, yeah. I, you know, my, my quote unquote homeless experience, it was very, very different than the, the experience of most LGBT homeless people. Um, I did take advantage of the LA Gay and Lesbian Center. That's what it was called at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their services for um, drop-in youth at the time, they didn't have, um, you know, a place where you could stay long-term. There was only like short-term beds and, and stuff like that. But um so I would shower there and then go about my business. But yeah. Wow. And so then the show gets picked up. The show gets picked up. Um, and I lived with, a, I, I was roommates with a friend of mine for a little while. And then I, I had my very own place on Fuller and Second. Did you film yeah. here? Yeah. We shot in West LA. Okay. Yeah. I just okay. drove by it a couple, couple of weeks ago. Um, West LA on, on Tennessee Avenue. Okay. Yeah. I want to find that house. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, the house was in South Pasadena, okay. but the the there was like a it wasn't a it wasn't a studio. It was an old warehouse, and I'm not making this up. It was like a old, which I think now they make clothes in it. 
Um, but it was an old warehouse that they converted and they built sets inside of it. Um, and it's still there. Yeah. No. Oh, good. We need to start working on permits. Yeah, for sure. Working <laughs> the with the line driving tour. I don't. Yeah. Slash the reboot. Yeah. I'm, and the I'm reboot. praying obviously. that we, actually, we don't have to money. actually go back to Tennessee Avenue. Maybe we can get an actual soundstage <laughs> yeah, for these people so for once. I think you deserve it. You've yeah. earned it. God. Oh God! Wilson, thank Wilson, you so I much for being here. Three Did more I bore hours. you? Not at oh. all. Oh my God! <laughs> the dog is asleep, but that is not your fault. That is not your fault. That means at all. she's comfortable. She yeah. feels she feels safe with you. Um, I'm really grateful for you to you guys for for bringing me. You're in. such thank a hero. You. Thank, thank you so it. much. Come back anytime. Here. Okay, invite me. All right. It won't take so long next time. <laughs> Wilson Cruz is a joy. Oh, wow. He's just got such a good energy. Yeah. Such a hero. Um, and by the way, follow him on Instagram. Not afraid to show off that bod. No. Um, no. He has done the work. Yes. And we all get to reap the rewards. Uh, so thank you so much, Wilson, for being here. Uh-huh. Thank you, Dana Wickens. Thank you, Brett. Thank, thank you, you everybody. Morris. Thank uh, you, Ryan Connor. Earwolf family. Ben Wise for the music. Yes. Thank you, Dave Holmes. Thank you, Matt. And thank, thank you all for being gay. Well, you know, you know what they say about great cooking. What do they say? They say it's part art and part science. That's right. That's absolutely. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I've done the research and it's true. Jules sous vide takes care of the science, cooking meat, fish, poultry to perfection with precise temperature control. Jewel, perfect food every time. Get yours, and then we can talk about it on our on our Facebook page yes. and swap recipes and stuff. Chefsteps.com slash Jewel. Use the code homophilia. You get 15 bucks off for a limited time. That's chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E, code homophilia. Yep. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, Jazos. <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.